0: Hey, guys, we've had a few episodes that we've already recorded before this crazy pandemic took over, and we never really got a chance to put those out. So we just wanted to make sure that you get to hear them.
1: And you know what, Miriam, we're going to do that today. We had a fun one. Um, It's all about being able to exercise while you're injured. And this was a great one to talk to the physical therapist about. Um, because finally we can share this since so many people haven't been able to visit their gyms and now they can start moving and maybe some of them were injured and have some injuries still. So uh, it's great that we can put this out now. Enjoy the listening. All right, uh, welcome. Thanks for listening
2: today. Uh, This is Debbie Olson. Uh, We're talking about working out with injuries today and it's real because I'm in a boot right now. So... (laughs) That's the hot topic we're gonna discuss. Um, I've got some other people here with
1: me today as well. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sherry Purdy. Miriam Lake. Dan O'Malley. And Dan is our lead physical therapist here with us today. So we are so happy to have you here, Dan. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Sherry. (laughs) Thank you. All right, so we'll jump
2: right into it. Um, You know, we're at a wellness center here and I'm a physical person, I'm, I'm very active. And I'd like to talk a little more about working out with an injury what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and, and kind of being smart about things, but how to navigate um, an active lifestyle with an injury.
0: Those are some really good topics. I think a lot of people think that if they have an injury that they can't continue to work out at all. They just stop everything altogether. What you're trying
2: to say is if you slam your pinky in the door and you hurt your hand, Should you take the whole week off? Is that what you're saying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we all have issues with um, things that might not be working properly with our with our joints and our muscles or have aches and pains, especially as we get older. So what we want to know is what we should and shouldn't do as far as. As working out. And like Deb said, you, just because you slammed your pinky in the door doesn't mean you take the whole week or the whole month off till it heals. There's so many other things you can do. And all of us here have had injuries that we've had to deal with, but we just um, work around them. Maybe not so much work through them. And we'll talk to Dan a little bit about that, but work around them and not make them any worse than what they are.
1: You know, and I guess what I. I think all of us sitting here at this table can concur that we sometimes do work through things when we probably should rest. Uh, The mentality is when we get injured and we've been working out and we feel good about that. We want to continue to feel good um, not only for our, for our body's sake, but for our mental sake. So it's hard for people who are on a journey of working out and they get injured or maybe they're in a sport and they get injured and it, it's a lot of mentality to say you can't do that anymore for a while, so how do you get through that when do you when do you know to take a rest so I'm going to throw that over to Dan. Dan is a physical therapist and an avid athlete uh, person who works out yourself. How do you know when to stop and actually either get it checked or rest?
3: I think what you've got to look at is is the pain that. That you're experiencing? Is it—is it a normal pain? Is it something that's just a delayed onset muscle soreness, something that you normally experience post-workout? Or is it something that's different in nature? Is it something that's sharp? Is it something that's affecting you at certain parts of motion? Um, does it affect your ability to perform a certain exercise or running or jogging um, that's making you alter how you normally would do things? And if that's the case where you're struggling from a pain standpoint to do things and it's not just muscle soreness. And I think it's time to evaluate, uh, should you still be doing this activity? Should you see a professional or is there something different should, that you should be doing right now?
0: So we, because we have a rehab in our wellness center, we have people sometimes that just come up and say, hey, I need to have a physical therapy appointment. So what do they need to do first? Can they just walk up and say, I need some physical therapy?
3: Uh, yeah, they definitely can. So our facility, we do allow direct access. So what that means is is that somebody that comes up and they, they have something that's hurt, they do not need to necessarily go to their doctor off the spot. They can go right to a physical therapist or an occupational therapist and have their injury looked at. Um, if after we do an evaluation, we feel like there's further tests that might be that would be important to be run or they do need to see their physician, we can definitely refer them that way. Otherwise, if it's something that's fairly straightforward that we can Work on uh, as a therapist. We'll continue to get them going and establish a plan of care, and try to get them uh, back to their normal routine as quickly as we can.
1: Yeah, and it's just a good reminder to our podcast listeners that every state's different about direct access, and even inpatient to outpatient is different. So make sure that before you go to see a physical therapist, you check with your your state your the clinic to see if that if they do have direct access. You had talked about um, you know if it's if it's something that's a sharp pain that's unusual. I'm not. familiar with this pain. I've never had this pain. I think for most people, that would be an indicator. Yeah, I need to go in and get it checked if it's super painful. For me, if my pain tolerance is high and I think I'm just going to keep doing a little bit here and there and it continues to be a, let's say on a scale from one to 10 pain, a five for me, um, but it doesn't increase. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or should I have rested knowing this is not a familiar pain to me?
3: I think in general, I would say this is something you probably should have, should be resting. I, I think you get a lot of people that grew up with a no pain, no gain, and they don't care what type of pain it is. They're going to try to work through it the best they can. And so sometimes something that could be fairly simple to remedy with a little bit of rest or a little bit of the correct treatment ends up being more of a chronic condition and something that's going to affect them long-term because they've tried to work through this thing for months and months and months when it could have maybe been better in a week or two.
1: Oh, I, I completely... Uh understand that theory right there. I broke my big toe uh, a couple years ago and doing, I just stubbed it hitting a bottom board. And I came into work that next weekend and I had running club. And I don't know if any of you listeners out there have ever broke or stubbed a big toe or a little toe, but you know the immense pain that it creates. And in my head, looking at the big black bruise up my leg up my foot, knowing it was probably broke, I still needed to do running club here. And I chose to not go. And to this day, four years later, I have so much scar tissue, it does not bend, it broke, it fixed itself. It was hard. Um, But my mentality was so stubborn that today I have such severe issues, it's changing my gait, the way I walk the way I run. And it's affected other parts of my body because of it.
2: Obviously, you know, my boot, let's talk about my boot for a second. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I have feet issues. Um, And I think what's happening right now is a repetitive use injury on my, I call it my bad foot. I got a bad foot. Um, And it's painful. It's painful to the point where it's changing the way I walk right now. So I'm kind of at a point where I'm going to put my boot on. I'm going to try and alleviate some pressure. Um, But I have, you know, I will say I am going to see the doctor. I did make an appointment. Good for you. I I need to be responsible. But we're in an active lifestyle and we teach classes and it's hard to pull back from that. But when there's a pain that's, like you said, it's it's not a normal pain. It's not one of your, you know, a muscle soreness. This is legitimate uh, pain that changes the way you walk or or function um, you know that's it's not going to get any better if I if I ignore it so I have to back up and I think what I try to do honestly is focus on what I can do not what I can't do so I've eliminated the things that cause it severe pain and I, I try to focus let's do more upper body let's do something that I can I can do without the pain
1: so the moral of the story is, don't let the injury prevent you from moving other parts of your body if you're able to. Honestly, yeah.
2: Last year I had foot surgery on the good. I call it my good foot now. Um, I had a <laughs> bunionectomy. I had a bunionectomy and a and hammer toe repair. So I had a. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like a you know it's what Just my lovely feet. My, it's like I feet. <laughs> Those are like, bad feet. Anyway, so I had surgery and. Obviously, was in a boot, and I was non-weight bearing for a good four to five weeks. But with my doctor talking with him, he let me do things that I could do. No, I didn't put weight on it, but I could I could get myself to the gym. I could um, I could use upper body. I could lift some weights. I could do things that didn't involve being on my feet or things like that. So um, yeah, I I'd, I could have sat home the whole six to eight weeks, but it would have drove me a little crazy. So I did what
1: I could. So what if, you know, Dan, a question for you. Um, what if I'm someone that I, I, I may be an avid workouter? Is that even a word? Someone who works out a lot. <laughs> I might be a um, so, an athlete. I might not be an athlete and someone that just goes out for casual walks. When I do injure myself and I feel that pain, what is the first things that you would recommend to do besides potentially calling your physician or getting it checked out? What are some things that people can do at home while they're waiting?
3: I think the first thing is what we call the the price or rice principles, protection, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So first two to three days after an injury, that's probably your best uh, way to kind of hit things on your own. Um, and maybe that will be enough to get things to settle down. And you don't need to see a physician, but starting with those things um, and then kind of seeing where that takes you the next couple of days. Because a lot of the things that hurt a lot the first day might well be gone in two or three days.
0: Well, and what you were saying before about the no pain, no gain mentality years ago, now a lot of, things, a lot of times what we tell our people is you have to know the difference between fatigue and pain. So if something is just making you tired, you can try and push through that. But if something is hurting you should never try to push through that agree
3: correct correct and and like it's been talked about earlier sometimes these injuries are actually opportunities to develop other areas of your body or or even to find out why did something get injured maybe you do a lot you're an avid runner you run all the time and some of those repetitive injuries have caught up with you maybe this is your chance to work on core strengthening or flexibility while letting some of these structures recover Um, maybe this is an opportunity to work on balance because a lot of people don't have good balance between different parts of their body. And so when I have patients that are struggling with this, because a lot of them do get depressed, a lot of them really want to exercise, they want to get better, but their pain's not allowing them to do so, is to work through that depression. What else can you do? What what can you do that might help you not only to to get through this injury, but to prevent it from coming back long-term?
1: Well, I have two questions. So um, you hear the terms, I'm just thinking of our listeners, we, working in the medical field, understand terms. And the terms that are thrown out there with pain, um, I, always, I always hear acute and chronic pain. Can you tell the listeners what the difference between acute and chronic pain are? And my next question would be, we've also heard heat sometimes for certain types of pain. When, when you mentioned rice, which, or price, which, we've, which we're, I think we're all aware of in the immediate, is there ever a time where you would use heat for pain?
3: Typically, heat is something you do not want to put on in the first two to two to three days following an injury because you have an inflammation going on, so you're going to potentially make that, that swelling worse, uh, the inflammation worse, and that's why you would use ice. Beyond the three to four days, um, at that point, it is okay to use ice, or I'm sorry, to use heat um, or alternate ice and heat Um for a lot of the patients that I work with, uh, maybe they're at least a week, two weeks out, maybe a little bit more, um, so they might be using heat already. They'll say that a hot shower, warm shower feels good. But now when you want to reintroduce to a strengthening program or a, an exercise program, it might be at that point where they might want to use ice directly after that for 10 to 15 minutes, but then the other times of the day when it's just kind of tight or sore, then you could still apply heat to that. To and that
1: serious. makes sense because... It's about blood flow to the to the the part of the body that you're Correct. using, so that makes total sense so acute pain means it's always there
3: acute pain acute pain means that it's it's the initial injury so it's happening in the first you know two to three days roughly sometimes it'll stay a little longer than that but usually that's more termed subacute, but chronic pain is more those people that have had pain for going on a month or months or even years, and that can be a little bit harder to handle because of the other things that have been affected by having pain for so long. You get weak in certain areas, you get tight in certain areas. Uh, mentally, it's harder to get through some of that pain. And that's where some of the issues that we see as patients come through because of all the other aspects that have occurred beyond that initial injury.
0: So I can talk a little bit about the chronic pain. For probably six to seven months, I dealt with um bursitis hamstring tendonitis they weren't really quite sure they couldn't pinpoint what it was but anything that involved involved sitting squatting any type of movement like that was just horrible and you know like Deb and Sherry and you were active we have active jobs so there was so many things that I just had to stay away from and it's even sitting i couldn't sit in this chair for more than five minutes without fidgeting around and i haven't fidgeted for the last 15 minutes so i'm (laughs) kind of it's definitely gotten better but it's one of those things that pops up after you know it might show up again in four or five months so what do you do about chronic pain or you just have to evaluate you know
1: and it probably does does depend on what the 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 diagnosis is where it's at lo- and where it's located on the body too correct so
0: um, yeah I mean it could be it could be uh nerve, it could be disc, it could be back it, you know depending on what body part you're working at it can all you can get shoulder injuries from neck issues, neck issues from shoulder back
3: and I think with each chronic pain, you have to look at you know how did it start, what have they tried, what has worked in the past, what has not worked at the past. And then, you know, especially for people that have had, maybe they they had a physical therapy evaluation a year ago for the same thing. It got better for a while, then it got worse. So where are they sitting at now versus a year ago? What has changed with their lifestyle, their activity level? Um, And maybe some things have changed from a flexibility or strength standpoint that weren't there a year ago. Maybe they had another injury that had happened or an injection that allowed them to get through it. So looking at each condition individually and, and what they've tried and what they've not tried and then trying to take that. Based off that,
1: you know, I I think about the patients that we see here, and I hear you therapists talk about this quite often. That you know, back pain is a huge, huge one that we hear a lot. People having a lot of back pain associated to various reasons, whether they work out or not, um, because of an injury. Do you often find that the injury was caused by something else other than the direct hit? I mean, you know, like it came from another like. Weak core or something else,
3: and and that's true. And that, that happens with a lot of back pain. It, it's not the one time somebody reaches down to pick up the paper clip off the floor or the sneeze. It's a lot of stuff that's happened prior to that that has put their body or their disc in that position to have that injury happen. And, and the first thing we really look at is their posture, um, seeing how they how their pelvis is is aligned, seeing you know how much curvature they have in their spine? Or are they overweight? What other things are coming into play that may have put them in that position to do that? And then the important thing is not only just to educate those patients on, you know, what, what their injury is, why they got the back pain, is what can they do to prevent that in the future? Um, we love having people come in. We love to teach them. We want them to be able to, to address these situations in the future on their own, if at all possible, by by being well-educated on, on their condition and what they can do to prevent it and to keep it... Um, keep their bodies in the best shape as possible going further.
1: You mentioned at the get-go too, Dan, um, I think as, as people who get injured, whether they're, like I said, an athlete, a non-athlete, someone who works out, someone who doesn't work out, I think that you mentioned in the very beginning that we all associate exercise with cardiovascular and strength training, but you, you made mention of flexibility. Can you talk about the importance with injury prevention for, with flexibility?
3: I think a lot of people um, don't probably stretch as much as they should. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the areas that, you know, myself included, I, I now that I'm older, I'm realizing the importance you can't just go out and run, you know, six to eight miles and not stretch mm-hmm. before or after a workout, uh, but educating the patients on why it's important to stretch to keep those muscles tight so that when you're moving, you go through a full range of motion, you're strengthening something through a full range of motion, so you don't have those injuries where you're, you're straining in those muscles or tendons or straining or spraining the ligaments. Um, and having good balance between is important as well.
1: All right, so i got to throw this. This is kind of out of left field, but I have listeners out there, I'm sure, or we have listeners out there that are probably thinking, um, okay, well, I see these tapes on these athletes sometimes, and with the Olympics coming up, we're going to see it all over the place. Are those cupping marks um, or – So can you tell people about Kinesio Tape, what it does for injury prevention or when you have an injury, when you need it? Because now you see it on every store shelf. You see people of all ages have it on. Does it work? Does it not work? Is it dependent on who's putting that tape on?
3: There is a lot of research that shows the benefits of kinesio tape. I was a little skeptical when it first came out, um, but I've gone to courses. I've seen the literature. There is a lot of research that shows the benefits of, of using those, um, not just for preventing injuries but to help recover injuries. And it, it does matter to some extent, uh, especially with certain tapes, on who is applying and, and how it is applied. Uh, because if it's applied you know, too tight or too loose, it's not going to do the effects that you want it mm-hmm. to and, and the big effect, or the big, I guess, effect that it's trying to do is by applying it in a certain manner, it will kind of pull the skin and the fat and the fascia away from the tendons and muscles to allow improved blood flow to an area that's either you want it to have it work better or you're trying to have it heal. Um, so yeah, I think, I think kinesio tape is a great way to help recover or prevent an injury, um, but it does depend somewhat on, on how it is mm-hmm. applied.
2: I so love Dan, it. Can you tape my whole foot? Be
1: <laughs> might
3: be able to and do Can that you tape here? my
2: entire
1: leg? <laughs> 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 um, yeah. I mean, I I personally have had therapists put p- kinesio tape on my f- my ankle, my foot, my my buttocks back area, my shoulder, um, and I've found great. I, I found that it's helped me a lot with pain. It's helped me with mobility, just being able to move a little bit better. And it also creates a little of awareness of, you can't go past that point of range of motion as well. you know. So I, I, I kind of brought that up because I've heard people say, oh, it probably doesn't work, it's just for show. But I personally can attest that I do think it works.
3: And I've seen that in a clinic too, that it does work really well. And it's, it's something just another, another thing in our, our tool bag that might help somebody get through an injury.
1: And then, okay, the last one I got asked because my son's a baseball player and they ice the arms and they do all these, these things for, you know, afterwards. And, um, my, my neighbor is, was asking me one day about what do you think about ice baths? What what after post workout? So I'm just curious to know what your opinion is on ice baths. I've done the research and it goes both ways.
3: The research that I've seen, um, is actually it's, beneficial, mm-hmm. um, especially after, you know, any kind of a workout or a run, it, it, the ice baths are great. Um, they're a little chilly. They're a cold. It, they kind of shock you <laughs> a little bit the first time you're in it. But, uh, again, the research that I've seen lately is, is they are beneficial. And, you know, for your son being you know, younger, especially those people with ages 11 to 15 Uh, The youth, this is going to be an important time where they're going to want to keep an eye on their bodies Mm -hmm. because they are changing so much. And so icing and not overdoing activities will be very good for people starting a new sport.
1: That's what I thought. I just thought I'd ask the expert because I want to make sure if I dip my son or if my son's dipped into a bathtub (laughs) that's that's ice cold that it made sense for him to be in there.
3: (laughs) No, that sounds great. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, you know what, Dan? I, we all so much appreciate you coming in and speaking to us. Uh, your expertise is so valuable. And I know our podcasters appreciate it because I would, I would bet that most everyone's been injured in their life and can take some of the information you had and use it for their future uh, injuries, potentially future injuries. So, and mine too. So with that being said, I think we're going to wrap up, guys, and uh, call it a day in this podcast event. So thank you for listening. And um, Debbie, Miriam, and Dan and I appreciate you guys listening to us. And we'll see you next week.